SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy, melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average, everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks. And we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850 Plus, their best selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like, a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 Plus Manuka Honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. Welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen. As always, we're joined by Stefan Chin. Hello. What's your favorite, least favorite pizza topic? Least favorite? No, your favorite, least favorite. It's the one that you love to hate the most. Okay, so it's the one I love to hate, (laughs) not the one that I like least like yes anchovies i love to hate but also olives i yeah olives are stupid little i hate them flavor packets of disgust so much bad flavor yeah Stephen, what's your tagline uh mired and tired Mm. sam schultz is here too hello how are you? I'm doing okay. What's your favorite fair food? I like a chocolate chip cookie. Is that fair oh, food? Oh, God. Like deep a chocolate fried, chip cookie sandwich. A deep fried <laughs> chocolate chip cookie. Heck I don't yes. know. Maybe I could try that. Yeah, I'm like, it sounds great. Mm-hmm. What's your tagline? Uh, from ghosts and ghouls to logs of yules. Ooh. Oh, we've made the transition. <laughs> yeah, no more spooky music yeah, at the Thanksgiving beginning. Yeah, <laughs> Thanksgiving can go right down the hole. Yeah, I don't care about that. <laughs> Sari Riley is joining us too. Yes. What's the best Pokemon? I like Arcanine. Okay. It's nice. It's like oh. a fire dog. Mm. I would like to pet it. What's your tagline? Slip and slide in. 
Mm. And I'm Hank Green, and my tagline is incomparable shirt machine. And we are here on SciShow Tangents to every week get together to try to one-up, amaze, and delight each other with science facts. We're playing for glory, but we're also keeping score and awarding Hank bucks from week to week. We do our best to stay on topic, but if you go out on a tangent and we deem that tangent unworthy, like if it's about... A lot of Twilight stuff. <laughs> we will dock you a Hank Buck. It's episode 52. We're a year old. Oh, that's, yeah. that's, how, that's how years work. <laughs> oh, wow. We're a year old. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. Okay. And we've got, that means we have like 51 amazing episodes of SciShow Tangents. Mm -hmm. Why are we making any more? Whoa. That's so much content. Well, we need to make at least one more <laughs> to yeah. get to 52. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let us know if you want us to keep making SciShow Tangents at SciShow Tangents on Twitter. And now, as always, it's time to introduce the topic of the week with the science poem this week from Sari. It's really freaking cold, they said. My nose, my feet, my hands, my head. I yearn to be back in my bed, but instead they lit a fire in red. It's really freaking dark, he cries. I'm stumbling upstairs and squinting my eyes. This lack of candles will be my demise. He sighs, but the sun begins to rise. We need a freaking boost, they thought, to move this hunk of metal a lot. Mm. But right now, air travel is awfully fraught, so then they gave combustion a shot. I'm really freaking tired, she wrote. My heart is sore, my days are rote. That fire inside us, that metaphorical moat, keeping us from burnout or giving off smoke, is doing its best to keep me afloat. Wow, that was really good. <laughs> that's, that's exceptional. Well, our topic is fire. I think that this is a surprisingly difficult question to answer. What is fire? Is it difficult? But, You're the chemist. I mean, there, so combustion and oxidation, but like the thing that is fire, the actual thing that you're looking at the flames the flames that's, that's what i think of as fire because if yeah. it's just like a really hot yeah. coal and it's radiating a lot of infrared energy that's not fire fire has to have the the, the licking flames and the sparks mm. going up and the smoke and all that mm -hmm. and that like what the thing you're seeing is at this point we are not sure yet you're talking about the flames the flames okay we yeah. don't know what flames are this is one thing that we know is a component of flames uh -huh. is the little pieces of soot that are hot. Hmm. And uh, and then as they get higher, they cool off and then they just become smoke. And they like, so you, the, the, the glowing bit of the fire trails off. Yeah. Um, you so, need fuel. Yeah. Oxygen or some other oxidizing agent. And then uh, like a source of heat or something to, usually to start the combustion reaction because mm -hmm. we don't have spontaneous combustion. Usually, it can happen. Usually. People, there's this nice diagram on the internet that I'm sure if you Google it, it'll be like the fire tetrahedron. Oh. And so it's like fuel, oxygen, heat, and the chain reaction is one of the yeah. Yeah, facets mm. of the tetrahedron. And if any one of those four things goes away, it will no longer be fire. So if you Ooh. have no fuel, the fire burns out. If you have no heat, the fire won't start. If you have no oxygen, the oxidation process won't happen. If you if the reaction just like runs out, if everything mm. breaks down, then you don't have fire anymore. Right. So yeah, so that's why like fire extinguishers and things work. I don't know. Anything for putting out fire, you're trying to remove one of those components. Like remove the oxygen or separate it from the fuel or or do whatever to put it out. And now that we're well and truly defined <laughs> as far as we could possibly get, it's time for where one of our panelists, this time, it's me. I've prepared three science facts for everyone's education and enjoyment, but one of those is real and the rest of them are lies and you guys have to figure it out. And if you get it, 
then you get the Hank Buck. If you don't, then I do. So here are my three science facts. They're about a beetle, but a fire beetle. Uh uh So in forests burn, usually all the animals run away from that. But there is a kind of beetle known as a fire chaser, also known as Melanophila beetles, and their larvae feed on the wood of defenseless, freshly burned trees. So to get their brood going, the beetles actively seek out forest fires, mating nearby and laying their eggs in recently burned trees. The beetles are so keen to get to a fire that when a 750,000 barrel oil storage tank and Koalinga ignited in 1925, they showed up in huge numbers from 50 to 100 miles away, most likely using their infrared pit detection organs. So they've got these like little infrared eyes under their arms oh, yeah. that they can use to, to sniff out. But sometimes the beetles' fire detecting skills are not so discerning. Which of the following is a documented case of melanophila of a melanophila swarm where the beetles were led astray. Number one, in 1958, workers at the Miller Brewing Facility in Irwindale, California, showed up to work one day to find the beetles gathered around their pipes attracted to the heat radiating off of them. While the beetles were a nuisance and they didn't like it, it actually turned out that their presence alerted them to a dangerous overheating in their system, which ironically saved them from an actual fire. Hmm. Number two, in the 1940s, multiple football games at UC Berkeley attracted the attention of nearby beetles who swarmed the stadium and began to bite fans. <laughs> the beetles were drawn by the smoky haze above the stadium, which was the product of approximately 20,000 cigarettes being consumed in the stadium. Or number three, in 1987, the Society of American Magicians held its annual convention in (laughs) Las Vegas, as you will do, and there was a dedicated special demonstration of fire breathing where approximately a thousand performers all lit up and breathed fire throughout the day, and the demonstration became decidedly less special when the fire chasers attacked Oh. oh my goodness. Well, right off the bat, I feel like maybe they wouldn't attack. So the last two, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> they seem friendly. Yeah, but they're nice. They they do bite though. Okay. Oh. You understand bugs. What do you think? Uh, well, I do believe that a magician's conference would be in Las Vegas. So that checks out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't know anything about beetles. I bet there aren't even 1,000 fire breathers. I feel like, yeah, that seems it's a lot. like enough fire breathers to draw beetles. Yeah. Seems sketchy. 20,000 cigarettes. What year was this? It was... It was in the 40s. Uh, cigarette uh, Checks time. out. Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> <sighs> I sort of think the beer one sounds the most plausible, which makes me think it's not true. The other ones would be like a really cool story that you yeah. want to make a torf out of. Uh, I don't buy the beer one just because I don't feel like anything would get that hot, especially pipes maybe. <sighs> but if it was like, if there was something wrong <sighs> that yeah. was like causing a fire hazard and then the beetles are like, hey, sure. guys, you got a fire hazard over here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going with the football game one though. Oh, oh. I'm football also, game, right? That it was? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I also like the football game one. I'm going with it. Okay. Ooh. I'm going to go with Magicians <gasps> just because it sounds yeah. fun. <laughs> Thank God. Because it was the football game. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 20,000. The, the thing that surprised me about this is that they have, like, it's really well documented that they're good at detecting heat. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
But this was just smoke. smoke. Yeah. So they're good at both. Not even mm, the right kind of smoke. Yeah. yeah. So, well, yeah. I mean, it's just burned I leaves. Suppose. Yeah. But. So they cut. They go after smoke and they go after heat. And the, their heat detecting abilities are off the charts. They're wild. When scientists first were like, okay, let's do the math and figure out how much heat they can detect, there's, they were like, that's physically impossible. Huh. Like that their neurons would be able to fire at the level necessary for this for them to actually receive a signal uh-huh. based on the amount of heat that they were detecting. But it turned out that the background radiation plus the actual signal was the only thing that would actually trigger the neuron. If it was just the signal, it wouldn't be enough to trigger the neuron. But mm-hmm. because there's like a oh. regular background of infrared radiation, it was triggering it. That's cool. So that's really neat and weird. That's sort of how I feel about dogs' noses or just yeah. any animal that can smell really well. Yeah. It's like, how can you detect that? That doesn't seem it possible. That doesn't seem possible. You've got magic nose. Magic nose. Speaking of magic, I made that up. Um, ah. the- <laughs> Fooled you. I really just like the idea of magician friends bonding together <laughs> right. and getting attacked and by attacked. beetles. Yeah. But they do, they do attack and uh, firefighters, so there was a Reddit thread where California firefighters talked about these beetles. They called them ninja beetles and they would sometimes grab them and then hold them up to their friend's arms. <laughs> oh, so no. They would bite them uh, just to, like, play a little prank. Uh-huh. And they suck, apparently. They're really annoying and they hate them a lot. And then the other thing I totally made up, too. Um, and they're, they have been found around tar pits and cement kilns and even sugar syrup vats. So all those things uh-huh. have attracted these beetles. So there wasn't anything outlandish about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Could have picked that one. When there has been no yet known case of them alerting people to the possibility okay. of a uh-huh. fire-like problem. But sure. I, I predict it will happen sometime in the next 20 million years. <laughs> Ooh. Cool. Anyway, it's time for us to take a break, and then we'll be back with the fact off. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's a tie ball game. One to one to one to one. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah. So let's just keep it that way yeah. and end the episode. Bye, everybody. Bye. No yeah. one, no one moved forward this or backwards. Seven minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> or we can get ready for the fact off, where two panelists have brought science facts to present to the others in an attempt to blow our minds, and we each have a Hank Buck to give to the fact that we like the most. It's Sam versus Stefan, and we're going to decide who goes first with a trivia question. At what temperature does paper burn <laughs> in Celsius? 
Oh, oh God. balls. <laughs> oh, okay, so. I... <laughs> How do you decide who wins? Is it just who closest? Who's closest? Okay. You go first or me go first? You go first. 270. 270. Oh, I was going to say 270. <laughs> oh, really? No, I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, 312. <laughs> Stefan was closer. Okay. 233. So I guess Stefan goes first. Okay. So in Australia in 2018, a 60 year old man went in for emergency heart surgery. Uh, and as they were cracking open his chest, he caught on fire. What? <laughs> Hold your horses. Uh, so they noticed that his lung was kind of stuck to the sternum a little bit. Ooh. He had uh, COPD, which is a lung disease. Then uh, part of that is that parts of his lung were overinflated. I guess that results in it sticking to the sternum somehow. Sure. So they were being careful about this while they were like cracking him open, but they ended up puncturing the lung accidentally while getting to the heart. Mm. And on its own, this is not like the end of the world. They increase the amount of oxygen and anesthetic gases like going into his lungs to like sort of compensate. Love it. Good case study. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> and so in a lot of surgeries, they use what are called electrocautery devices, and it uses a high-frequency electric current to uh-huh. generate heat. They use it for various things like cutting tissue, stopping bleeding, all kinds of stuff. But so in this case, there was a spark, and it ignited like some of the dry material <gasps> that was in the like open chest cavity. No! And like because of the extra oxygen, like a fire started in his open chest. No, no. That's the worst Uh, thing. Which I shouldn't laugh. Uh, But they... (laughs) Was, they put well, it out. I don't know how it ended. They yeah. put it out immediately. They just poured a. They just poured a bunch of water on him, <laughs> <laughs> as you do, just uh, baking soda. I don't know the extinguishing method, but they put <laughs> it just out. Turn off the oxygen very quickly. For a well, second, buddy, you right? gotta breathe. Just like. <laughs> boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> Take away the fuel. You've gotta the disrupt yeah. the triangle. Yeah, yeah. you gotta disrupt the. Tetrahedron. tetrahedron. The tetrahedron. <laughs> it used to be seven. a triangle, oh, looks like. But, sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah, the patient was fine in this oh, case, okay. and they continued the surgery afterwards and, like, finished that out. But wow. uh, there have been at least three cases of this specific kind of thing where it's, like, a similar tool ignited some surgical material, and the patient had lung disease and there was getting extra, extra oxygen. oxygen. And so that's just kind of, like, nuts in general. But it turns out that surgical fire is kind of a thing that happens more frequently than you might think. Oh, that's a great episode of SciShow, <laughs> Surgical Fire. I want to start a new channel called Surgical oh, no. Fire. Just That's all we're talking about. Overall, it is very rare. A pre-2012 figure cites about 600 cases a year in the U.S., Okay. Um, And that's out of like 40 million plus surgeries. How the fuck are we having 40 million (laughs) surgeries? There's only 300 million of us. (laughs) Well, I had 10 last year. (laughs) You're getting the most of your health insurance. Uh, (laughs) So that was pre-2012. But then in 2012, the Healthcare Facilities Code adopted like new procedures and training protocols and stuff aimed at reducing that number. Mm -hmm. And so... A more recent figure is that we're down to about 100 cases annually. So it's oh, been good. significantly reduced, but still, that's like a lot of cases. Not many people die from it, but some people are burned. And then you like finish up your open heart surgery and they're like, you're like, so how'd it go, doc? And he was like, well, a very <laughs> rare thing called, now this is a technical term, <laughs> surgical fire occurred. And uh, so uh, now let me explain exactly what that is. It's a fire in the surgery, your lung caught on fire because there was dry stuff in it and too much oxygen. Uh-huh. You wouldn't 
break it like that to a patient. No. Be like, not with your Muppet voice. <laughs> <laughs> Yelling at them. All right, Sam, you got a you got a battle to fight here. That was pretty good. Oh, now you made me really nervous when you said that. Just well, you're also in the lead, so I'm not here to help you out. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> so, a magnifying glass's ability to focus and direct light is yeah. well known to like every boy or girl scout or scout survivalist or bad little boy blasting ants with <laughs> lasers. Uh, in fact, some of the earliest written evidence of magnifying glasses refers to their ability to generate heat instead uh-huh. of their magnification powers. Oh. Like Pliny the Elder had a lens he would carry around. Pliny? Pliny? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. He's dead. He had one he carried around. He cauterized wounds with it. Oh. And that's like one of the wait, earliest. Wait a second. Wow, yeah. What? It was surgical fires. <laughs> yeah. What? Was he just looking for wounds? He's like, oh, no. Yeah. By he was, the way, he was I've an got active, my... He was an active folk. He was doing all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Okay. People he... would be like, something's wrong with me. And then he'd have five different suggestions for you. Gotcha. Yeah. Greek polymath Archimedes is even said to have made a weapon out of a, a giant magnifying glass Ooh. that he used to incinerate a fleet of Roman warships in 212 BC. <laughs> but modern man has had trouble recreating that weapon. Yeah, because it's fake. At least they've had trouble recreating it on purpose. <laughs> so 20 Finchurch Street in London is home to a big, lumpy, weird sci- skyscraper known colloquially as the Walkie Talkie Building. I don't really know why. It's designed to look top-heavy, so all the exterior walls sort of bend out and balloon, so it's like big and lumpy on the top and skinny on the bottom. An unintended side effect to this weird design is that for two hours every day for about two to three weeks of the year, the sun shines directly on one of the concave sides the wall is like a mirror glass windows. So it focuses light onto the street below it. And on a particularly hot day in 2013, the beam reflected <laughs> off the building was six times brighter than like the surrounding area, the regular sunlight. Uh-huh. And a guy who had his bike parked there <laughs> measured his bicycle seat and it had reached 224 degrees Fahrenheit. So almost hot enough to burn paper. Very close. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, a number of parked cars on the street uh, also had the, the bodies melted and like the plastic inside of uh-huh. the cars melted and they had to pay a bunch of people because of that. And store owners reported that their doormats would start smoldering sometimes if they left them out. <laughs> so the beam is like moving as the sun moves. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, like, tar- that's cool. Yeah. So the spot was kind of like a tourist destination that summer of 2013 and people would come and they would like fry eggs and do all kinds of wacky <laughs> stuff and take temperatures but then within months of them figuring out how bad it was and paying a bunch of people because they melted their cars they uh paid millions of pounds i don't know how much like american money that is to cover the windows with a non-reflective metal shade and also this architect who designed this building had designed another building in las vegas that had the same exact problem except this one would focus light into a pool deck and some people said that it made their hair start smoking when the light went in a certain way. But to be fair to him, he did seem like he would know he knew that that would happen. So he had designed ways to make it not happen, oh, okay. but they didn't build it into the building. Uh, in the front. So okay. they learned after the fact. Too. Yeah, he was he was like, so I've built a giant death ray. <laughs> yeah. And you need to, like, this is how I've designed. I'm aware that I built a death ray, but you have to do X and Y to fix it. And they were like... Yeah, all we heard was death ray, <laughs> money, 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 no thanks. Uh-huh. Can we still... No, it's all fixed go? It's now. all, like, covered up. It yeah. doesn't do it anymore? It doesn't do it anymore. It feels like it'd be a glorious It just experience. did it for that one summer in 2013. Yeah. Missed it. Yeah. No more death Well, ray. I'm glad... So, like, I did... I As you were saying this, I was like, there's no way they could have not known that this would be a thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, 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 don't, you don't build a building like this 
and are like, eh, see what happens. Yeah. I read that they used the wrong kind of window because okay. it was a cheaper window they yeah. used on purpose mm-hmm. to, oh. to lower costs. But yeah. All right. We have our facts. One, we've got a 60-year-old man who caught on fire during surgery. <laughs> it was a surgical fire. And it turns out it's a thing that happens. Uh, people catch on fire during surgery and it's not good. Or we have a death laser building built in London by a man who also built a death laser <laughs> building in Las Vegas. Where are we going to do it on three? Are you ready, Sari? Yeah, this is so hard. Okay, we'll do it on three. Three, two, one. Stefan. Oh, oh, you bastards. Yeah. <laughs> He's actually had fire. If you had said the bike well, exploded. Some of the... Some of the they smoldered. The doormats smoldered. Pretty some close. of the doormats smoldered. <laughs> I was just waiting for something in your story to be like, and then the doormat was a fire mat. Um, <laughs> like the car. I would suspect probably pretty quick they were like, we can't leave anything here that will actually catch on yeah. fire. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> and now it's time to ask the science couch. Uh, we've got listener questions. Questions to ask to our couch of finely honed scientific minds. This one is from at Gabby Lyon. How would fire spread in space? In sci-fi movies, it looks as though explosions are the same as they are on Earth, but I've heard that flame itself would be spherical. So, like, what are we talking about? Explosions or fires? Because those are two different. We're things. talking about fires because the theme episode of the episode is, is fires. fires. Yeah. yeah, fire in space is a sphere for sure. Because the reason that fire isn't a sphere on Earth is because heat. Uh, like hotter air moves upward because hot air is less dense and the cold air is falling down around it. And that's a gravity thing. And in places mm-hmm. where there is no gravity, then you don't have to deal with it. It's, it. There's no shape to fire. Another thing about fire in space is that it doesn't generate its own wind. So on Earth, by, by mm. with the convection of like throwing up the hot air, the cold air has to come in to replace it because it mm-hmm. creates a low pressure area. Mm-hmm. And that wouldn't happen in space. Yeah. That's really good, interesting. Because that means that the fire would give its, like, it would replenish itself less quickly. Oh. Mm-hmm. It would have less oxygen to fuel it. Yeah, oxygen is brought in, in space by uh, just diffusion, right. which is really interesting because it's still expanding because hot air expands because the molecules, yeah, the molecules get farther apart. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like whatever oxygen is around it like diffuses into this mm. this fire orb mm-hmm. heat also i don't know if diffusion is the right word but is dissipating i guess that but that doesn't affect how the fire spreads mm, i mean the heat is the heat is moving and like so like like the energy like the molecules are bumping into their molecules and that's increasing the energy of molecules farther and farther away mm-hmm but that's not creating any sort of like... And I think that would wind, be the... Like, yeah, it wouldn't create a wind, but that would be the mechanism of the spread of okay. the fire. So when the fire, like when the like hot molecules start to hit other things, that energy gets transferred and the fire still can spread. Mm-hmm. And fire is a huge problem in space, but yeah. not because like fire spreads any more effectively huh. in space, hmm. just because there's nowhere to go. Yeah. Like there's no egress windows on the space station. <laughs> fire will spread slow, more slowly in space. So there was a quote from some NASA scientist that said, if you ignite a piece of paper in microgravity, the fire will just creep along from one huh. end to the other, which is what happens on Earth, but like fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. But in space, it would just be like the slower reaction happening. Yeah, you need like, you need to blow on it. Yeah. Maybe that was the speed. <laughs> you want to help it out, yeah. <laughs> which you don't, in general, <laughs> want to help the fire out. Um, I have more space fire facts. Yeah. Okay. This is the coolest thing that I've read today. NASA ran an experiment called the Flame 
extinguishment experiment or flex to see what fire did in microgravity. And that's where the pictures of the dome fire Mm. and the sphere fire come from. The way that they do it, they have a, a special equipment rack in which they lit the fires, and they ignited a small drop of heptane or methanol as the fuel. And the most surprising thing that they found was the discovery of cool flames. Ooh, great. (laughs) But when the droplets are still burning, Mm -hmm. so they're still like evaporating, the fuel is being used up after you can't see the flame anymore. Mm. So it doesn't look like there's fire anymore. Uh. But you know that fire, like combustion, is still happening. Now we're going full circle to the beginning. Is it fire if there are no flames? NASA so, says yes, which is NASA why I didn't want to jump yes. in on that. Is it still burning and hurty if you touch the... <laughs> I think so. Okay. Ordinary fire, according to this NASA video, the temperature ranges from around uh, 2200 to <gasps> 3100 degrees Fahrenheit. And like the main things being emitted from it are soot and carbon dioxide and water, like we talked about. But the cool flame and the heptane ball... It was around 400 to 1,000 Fahrenheit. Um, And the main things being released were carbon monoxide and formaldehyde. Weird. And there are cool flames that happen on Earth. So, like, we first discovered them on Earth, but they flicker out almost immediately. Or they're, um, let me see, the discovery is attributed to a a dude called Sir a dude called Sir Humphrey Davy in 1812. Oh, yeah. um, and so he found that he could generate flames that were so weak that they couldn't light anything. Hmm. Um, and so then after that, people investigated cool flames, which are just barely, barely visible or hmm. invisible flame and much colder than a normal flame. And so before this discovery... In space, people thought that cool flames almost always happened before igniting fires. But this is the first big instance where it's like, oh, we can have cool flames after a bigger fire. Part of the process of like the last, the burning of the last fuel. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So they're investigating why, because this is, was like this big mystery. Um, The evaporation rates were basically the same to what was in a visible flame. I think. Also, when this happened, they were able to change some things about the pressure of the container it was in. And so after it became a cool flame, it reignited into a normal hot flame, which is concerning in space because they were worried that microgravity conditions might um, be conducive to reignition of fires Mm, that you think are out. And so that was basically like, yep. You should have that worry because this flame that you couldn't see anymore became a flame again. Uh Ooh, secret Secret flame. Yeah. So, yeah, combustion researchers, their minds were blown with these discoveries about space science. (laughs) The people who care about this were very excited. Yeah, they were like, fire is so weird. You know that thing that we study and we thought we knew? We don't. We don't, Uh, even more. Thank God for space. Yeah. And they went and told their spouses and they were like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to ask the Science Couch your questions, you can follow us on Twitter at SciShowTangents. We will tweet out the topics for upcoming episodes every week. Thank you to Emily Janet Six and at Dana 001 and everybody else who tweeted us your questions this episode. Final scores! Everybody's tied at one except for Stefan with three! Oh. Cleaned up! 
Wow, we're doing, we're doing it. We're doing How, it. Where am I now? There's a lot of clustering. Uh, Stefan at 66, Sari at 68, Sam at 69. Oh so you're all God. very close oh, to yeah. each other. I'm at 62. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> I have other things going yeah, for me. Yeah, you have a child. You have a, you know, a company to run. <laughs> but we have up. finished our first season I guess, our first yeah. year of SciShow Tangents. Mm-hmm. Stefan, it wasn't enough. <laughs> yeah, you did not effort. get you yourself into second place, much less uh, first. And so, Sari, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but we have a winner with one point ahead of you is Sam Schultz. Why do you say, Sari, I'm sorry? Yeah, well, I would apologize to you, say, you if you were leaving. Why can't you say, Sam, congratulations. Sam, congratulations. <laughs> you are the winner of the first year of SciShow Tangents. Nobody ever even passed me. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> well, also, it's nice to have a winner, and we can all just celebrate Sam mm-hmm. for a little while. Yeah, Everyone nice. tweet to Sam. Say, thank you. Congratulations. congratulations, Sam. And then tweet to Sari and say, I'm sorry. No, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Should that's they be called Sandbucks now? Like, is that Ooh, your prize for the next now. year? Yeah, okay, they're Sandbucks now. Now they're Sandbucks. I think that's that's <laughs> a really yield. nice title. That's a really title. great prize. Yeah, like so like it. really fight for the buck title yeah. next yeah. year. Okay. Yeah. If you like this show and you want to help us out, it's very easy to do that. You can leave us a review wherever you listen. That helps us know what you like about the show. It also helps other people know that you like the show. And we're going to be looking at iTunes reviews for top ideas for future episodes. Second, you can tweet out your favorite moment from the episode. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, just tell tell people people about about us. Thank you for joining us. I've been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Stefan Chun. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is a co-production of Complexly and the wonderful team at WNYC Studios. It's created by all of us and produced by Caitlin Hoffmeister and Sam Schultz, who also edits a lot of these episodes along with Hiroko Matsushima. Our editorial assistant is Deboki Chakravarti. Our sound design is by Joseph Tunamedish. Our social media organizer is Victoria Bongiorno, and we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you, and remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. In regions of the world where they don't want to use water flushing toilets for a variety of reasons, like if there's not um, municipal sewage systems or the infrastructure for that or remote rest areas Mm -hmm. or things like that, there are these things called incinerating toilets, which are Mm. self-contained units of like a toilet (laughs) where you put your poop in a bag. I I do? (laughs) <laughs> and, and then it goes down onto maybe a little conveyor belt or maybe just into a chamber. And there is a gas or electric or some sort of powered heating system that turns your poop into ash. And it's a way to reduce the volume of it because so much of poop is water. So mm-hmm. that all evaporates off and sanitize it. So you don't have like poop oh. bacteria. You just have like the small teaspoon, tablespoon of ash. Oh, poop ash. Can poop you use ash. it for something? No, that's the one downside <laughs> oh. is that you can't use it for fertilizer or anything because you burn um, off all the nutrients too. What do it's they do safe. with it? Just throw scatter it away. Scatter it to the wind. Uh. To the wind. <laughs> yeah. They take it to the beach and scatter, <laughs> yeah. say, I remember him. He was a great poop. <laughs> I appreciated the work he did on this earth and now he joins the... He will be part of the natural system once again. Here you go, fish. Here you go, fish. (laughs) Have my poop ash.